Hello, everybody, and welcome to the A Block. As always, I'm your host, Marshall Ferguson, here on Canadian Football Perspective. Thank you for being here with me on a special edition of the A Block. Decided to throw an extra one at you this week because the mock draft is out. As of today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, April 12th, the first edition of the CFL.ca mock draft is out. Oh, took some work to get into it. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, start your season off right with products from our partners at Fox 40. Outfit your coaching staff with custom logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and more. You can visit fox40shop.com and use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. Again, fox40shop, that's fox40shop.com and use the code CFP15, get 15% off of your order. Save yourself a little bit of cash as we get closer and closer to some of the spring seasons, summer football seasons, and of course, we hope all of those will go smoothly in the Ontario development system. I know that they are getting very excited with selection camps and all the rest going on over the next little while. So uh, the mock draft, the topic at large, the idea of the mock draft, it's a funny one because when I was growing up in my teens, I love reading mock drafts, thought they were super fun. I always thought that they were supposed to be spot on. I always thought that you were supposed to absolutely nail them. And as I've gotten older, and this is not just me throwing up a false pretense to avoid when all of my picks are wrong, which hey, very likely could happen. But it's the idea that you're going through a thought process of where does this person fit? What position does a team want? What are they looking for? How do they feel about the people they currently have on their roster? What is the age of the players that they have? There's so many variables that go into this. And I know from talking to people on teams themselves, they do a lot of mock drafts inside of their own facilities leading up to the draft. Not every team, some teams avoid it altogether, but many of them enjoy being able to put people in different rooms and go ahead and run it through 10, 15 different times or do one a day as a thought process to start their day. And they'll have the general manager call in and say that uh, Edmonton has traded with Ottawa and all of a sudden you are sitting there as BC with the next pick and your entire board has just changed because there's been a trade that's been made. It's all an interesting way to try and figure out what do these players mean to you and how do you want to craft your roster going forward? I've talked to Dwayne Ford about this. Doesn't do mock drafts, doesn't believe in mock drafts, doesn't enjoy mock drafts, doesn't read mock drafts. Hell, he doesn't even read mine and Dwayne's my friend. He just is against the idea. I like them, but it certainly has taken on a different form, I think, as I've put more and more effort into it. So my process, essentially, when I am doing this and putting this out on CFL.ca to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit for you, is that I get a list of my own doing that I put together, which is essentially NCAA standouts that are draft eligible. Then I'll go ahead and get 150 to 200 athletes that I think are draft worthy, that I think can play in the Canadian Football League, even if they are fringe or special teamers or depth guys. I make a list of 150-ish every year, depending on what the classes are. Then what ends up happening is you start slotting those in. I basically have a spreadsheet with the, the draft order. And I'll just kind of go off of feel and put this player in the first round and that player in the second round, that player in the third round. And then as the board starts to shake out, I basically reshuffle the deck and say, oh, well, I don't like that linebacker ahead of that linebacker. That doesn't make any sense. Now I got to change that. But oh, does that team really want a linebacker at that spot? Will they reach that high? I don't. And I start to kind of push it back and back and back. And eventually you end up getting essentially two, 
the 25th version of it is the thing that comes out on cfl.ca and the funny little quirk this year is that we had to make sure that everybody that we were including in the mock drafts was actually going to be drafted in 2022 because the pandemic and the deferrals and all the rest have caused confusion all over the place and so many different whether it be NCA, U Sports, CJFL, are you a free agent? Are you draft eligible? Are you deferring your draft year? These are things the teams are all going through as well and trying to stay on top of and communicating with agents and the league office and football operations. And there's a lot that goes into the night on May 3rd where we all come together and you hear a name get called. That's the end of the process. It's almost like if you're running a you know a hundred meter sprint that's the last five inches it's the most meaningful one but there is so much that happens before we get to that point so without further ado i thought today i would do something a little different do a solo show here no guest on the a block and instead dive right into the mock draft hope you enjoy Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for being here. Thank you for being at the 2022 CFL Draft. I will be your host and also making the selections. Marshall Ferguson at TSN underscore Marsh is where you can find me, of course. Uh, just before we begin the draft, I'd like to allow Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, to step up on the stage and, and have a, a quick moment to welcome us into the 2022 CFL Draft. Come on! All right, if that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. Let's dive right into it. With the first overall selection, the Edmonton Elks select Syracuse linebacker Tyrell Richards. With the first overall selection pick in any draft, there's pressure. It doesn't matter whether it's your buddy's marathon fantasy football draft or you have the top pick in a professional football setting. Anytime a top pick doesn't become the best player from that draft, backseat drivers and armchair quarterbacks alike are renowned for the speed with which they can condemn the player taken and those who choose them with the entire draft board still open. If Tyrell Richards, though, does not become a great CFL player, I would genuinely be shocked. And if for some reason he did become a bust, there's absolutely no shame in Chris Jones and the Elks being fooled by the promise of the 6'3", 230-pound linebacker from Syracuse. Of course, avoiding blame isn't the motivation in making this selection. Acquiring a cornerstone player with huge upside is. At the Combine, Richards was everywhere, all the time, all at once. He took more reps than anyone else, thanks in large part to the number of requested snaps by evaluators in attendance, he is long, fast, and has a natural flow to his game in or out of the box near the football that will translate immediately to the Canadian Football League. He had first overall pick written all over him without the context of who is making the selection. But with Chris Jones, a fan of defensive versatility and athleticism and NCAA players in the draft at the helm of the number one pick, this feels destined to happen. With the second overall selection, the Ottawa Red Blacks select Coastal Carolina linebacker Enoch Maconzo. While Maconzo hasn't laid down speed times in the evaluation process worthy of proving his free safety range, 
And there are some concerns about size as an every down linebacker, specifically at the weak side. Ottawa has done an excellent job in recent years collecting versatile defensive pieces for defensive coordinator Mike Benavides to employ how he sees fit. McConzo has played edge, linebacker, and occasionally bumped out to an interior pass coverage role or a slot corner in the United States. But the question now becomes, what will he be at the CFL level? Is second overall too high for a classic defensive tweener without a perfectly crafted role like Richards before him will be at wig side linebacker, possibly even middle linebacker? In an offseason where Ottawa pillaged the Alouette's secondary in free agency, picking up Patrick Levels, Money Hunter, and Ty Cranston, it would only make sense for Ottawa to scoop up McConzo before Montreal can at the fourth overall selection. At third overall, the BC Lions go homegrown. Calgary receiver Tyson Philpott. Choosing between the Philpots really is like splitting hairs. And if you put Jalen here, I absolutely understand. But Tyson is slightly faster, a little bit lighter, and more of a deep ball tracker when it comes to his eyes on the football from what I've seen. If the Lions decide to go receiver here, there is a good chance that they will go with Tyson. And I believe it's the right choice based on play style and overall fit after Shaq Johnson, again, another talented Canadian receiver, signed with Ottawa in free agency. BC needs help along the offensive line, and they could reach here, but I don't believe that there's a lineman worthy of a top three pick in this year's draft, making the question for Lions decision makers, the Philpots versus the field. At fourth overall, the Montreal Alouettes select Western Mustangs defensive lineman Deontay Knight. I could see this pick going to Queen's defensive lineman Anthony Federico, depending on exactly what Montreal is looking for. But the loss of David Menard to BC means the Alouettes will be looking to restock their Canadian passer pressure. Knight projects as an interior pocket pusher with quickness, despite playing end primarily in his time at Western, a skill set that would create opportunity relatively quick for him in Quebec. With the fifth overall selection, the Calgary Stampeders, well, they take the other Philpot, be it Tyson or Jalen. But in this situation, they are taking Jalen. With Ottawa and Montreal prioritizing different positions, as mentioned earlier, in Maconzo alongside Deontay Knight. All of a sudden, down at fifth overall, Tyson's off the board, Jalen's still available, and you end up having the Dinos product get happily taken to continue his career at McMahon Stadium. Some CFL evaluators I've spoken to believe that either Philpot could slide further after a combine that did not match expectations, how unfair they might have been. That's not likely. And I think that they end up going, especially with a weaker offensive line class, before we get to sixth overall. With the sixth overall selection, Anthony Federico, again, might be a little bit high as he projects a little bit more. 6'3", 235 as a weak side linebacker in the CFL, but his nose for the football and athleticism as a defensive lineman in Kingston is what secured a first-round grade on him for me. With an OUA best seven sacks in the six regular season games played last year, he'll still get pass rush opportunities, but Toronto would be wise to add this toolkit to their special teams unit Again, Federico might be a little bit later on, but I do believe he's a quality football player that deserves an opportunity in the top 10 at the very least. At number seven, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Alberta offensive lineman Rodeem Brown. I originally had Bryant running back Daniel Adebobayo here, 
as an immediate plus on special teams and possible future ratio changer at running back. But in a weak lineman class, as I've said, I believe no player helped themselves more than Rodeen Brown on Combine Weekend. If you've been following the coverage, you know that he absolutely dominated when it came to the one-on-ones. He tested a little bit better than I thought. He is heading back to U of A in 2022, and that could drop his stock out of the first round. But I don't believe the Riders are in desperation mode looking for a plug-and-play offensive lineman. They should take Brown, develop him for 2023, and add potentially their starter at center for the foreseeable future. At number eight, the Hamilton Tiger Cats select McGill defensive lineman Joshua Archibald. It feels as though every year I draft a defensive tackle for Hamilton prematurely, assuming Ted Laurent can't play the physically punishing position forever. This year, the motive isn't replacement, but injury. Archibald was a pleasant surprise on Combine weekend and could be phased in slowly alongside Micah Johnson and Dylan Wynn this season as former first-round Ticats pick Mason Bennett grows his influence at defensive end to create a top-flight Canadian tandem built through value drafting by Drew Alamang and the Ticats brass. At number nine, the Winnipeg Blue Bump... Sorry. Have to do this. Blue Bombers make their presence known here at the CFL draft, and they do so by going with Saskatchewan offensive lineman Noah Zare. If Saskatchewan wants help sooner, they could take Zare in place of Brown at seventh overall. But if the Bombers pass, I can't imagine Winnipeg letting him slide past the first round. The 2021 All-Canadian list, 2012 Riders' first overall pick, Ben Heenan, as a role model and has all the potential to be a CFL mainstay for the next decade. Based on how Winnipeg drafts, develops, and restocks, this makes sense after Drew Desjardins signed with the New England Patriots in the offseason. With the first pick of the second round, the Toronto Argonauts select Ottawa offensive lineman Zach Pelios. From regional combine to 10th overall, the path is rare, but Pelios showed he's got the right makeup as the Argos test their eye for lineman talent again after hitting a home run with Peter Nicastro out of the University of Calgary in 2021. At 11th overall, the Ottawa Red Blacks select Bryant running back Daniel Adebaboye. William Powell is the star of the show, but he can't play forever, and veteran Brendan Galanders is entering his eighth year, already past the CFL average at the position. Adebaboye dominated the bench press on combine weekend while running and jumping well enough to be a first-round pick but his pass protection struggled in the padded session on Sunday at the National Showcase, which could cause some pause before getting selected to join Paul Lapolis's reborn Ottawa squad. With the 12th overall selection, 
St. FX offensive lineman Gregor McKellar goes to the BC Lions. After taking Rice grad Peter Godbear third overall in 2018, the Lions draft another protector with owl ties in Timberlane, Nova Scotia's Gregor McKellar in a move that adds depth and a vote of confidence in protecting quarterback Nathan Rourke so he can be more than just a hurried one-season wonder starter in Vancouver. With the 13th overall selection, the Montreal Alouettes select Laval offensive lineman Cyril Hogan-Saint-Dom. Consider the offensive line run in full flow at this point. After you see Gregor McKellar end up going, Noah Zare is already off the board. Out goes the one and only Rodine Brown all the way up at 7th overall is my top offensive lineman in this draft. The Alouettes snap up Laval's best available lineman with plenty of center experience to anchor their protection scheme as teams begin to question their big board moving forward. At 14th overall, the Calgary Stampeders select Waterloo defensive back Tyrell Ford. Ford is a first-round athlete and cover man, but Canadians in the CFL are often role-and-fit-based decisions. Is Ford a safety? He wants to play corner, but might not have the size or the workload to warrant a top-10 pick. As usual, Calgary simply waits it out and takes elite value. With the 15th overall pick, the Toronto Argonauts select Massachusetts receiver Samuel Emelis. Emelis could easily go before either of the fill pots, depending on what a team is looking for. But if he falls to the teens, I have a hard time imagining Toronto not taking the explosive burst of his game that he brings in to work alongside 2022nd overall pick Dijon Brissett. At 16th overall, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders select Carlton receiver Keaton Brugling. This might be a little early as well, but after losing Braden Lenius to the NFL's Atlanta Falcons, the Riders are in need of some receiver size to pair with Ken Schaefer-Baker as he embarks on a sophomore season with expectations. Brugling compares nicely to Ottawa special teams ace Marco Dubois, which will make head coach Craig Dixon happy while adding some untapped receiving potential for the Green Riders. At number 17, the Hamilton Tiger Cats select Waterloo quarterback Trey Ford. Just like his brother, Ford is more than worthy of a first-round grade, but what his fit does to draft stock is a perplexing case study. Ford should earn the chance to make an NFL practice roster, but we always seem to underestimate just how difficult that is around draft season with so many players coming back. Hamilton's starter of the future is obviously Dane Evans, and backup Matthew Schiltz is a solid compliment. But the Niagara Falls native, who set endless records at Waterloo for career passing yardage and touchdowns, could split the geographical difference and keep the Warriors' black and gold clothing as he gets to try and refine his passing game behind a tactician in Evans, who is also a workhorse. And the culture of Hamilton's quarterback room with offensive coordinator Tommy Condell would fit nicely with Ford, and the on-field potential is well worth a pick here as Hamilton builds towards another home Grey Cup in 2023 with a dynamic athlete all over the field and one who has already been in a Hamilton Tiger Cats training camp as part of the U-Sports CFL quarterback development program. At 18th overall, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers selecting again, this time Alberta defensive back Jaden Dalkey. Knowing that Edmonton has two of the next three selections, including a territorial pick, Winnipeg adds to special teams and long-term safety vision here in a bit of a Taylor Loeffler light selection. (laughs) 
At 19th overall, it is the territorial pick for the Edmonton Elks, and they select Alberta linebacker Josiah Shackle. Ranked 14th in the CFL's Winter Scouting Bureau ranking, Shackle is a quiet playmaker who fits well in any room and doesn't demand any extra attention to get ready for game day. Learning from A.J. Gass with the Golden Bears, Josiah has a work ethic that will earn him respect and a quick dress roster spot in Edmonton with their territorial draft selection. For the Ottawa Red Blacks territorial selection, they go with Penn State linebacker Jesse Lukita. Take a shot. It's a free draft pick. If he ever comes north, the defense will immediately be improved. At 21st overall, the Edmonton Elks to begin the third round select Saskatchewan defensive lineman Nathan Cherry. While Edmonton said goodbye to Canadian defensive ends Kwaku Boateng and Matthew Betts when Chris Jones arrived, I believe there was still a spot on the interior for this prairie tough tackle who is as quiet as they come and productive beyond his years. At 22nd overall, the Ottawa Red Blacks select Manitoba receiver Gavin Cobb. Turning heads with his route running and quickness to pair with elite combine testing, Cobb jumped up boards a couple weekends ago in Toronto. His skill set could play well in an Anthony Coombs-type role in the nation's capital, maybe even in place for Coombs, who has struggled to plant his flag in Ottawa. With the 23rd overall pick, Saskatchewan defensive lineman Riley Pickett goes to BC. With teammate Cherry off the board, BC continues to invest in defensive line assets as Pickett can work in alongside Matthew Betts and David Menard, both signs showing that they are interested in carrying Canadian defensive ends moving into the near future. With the 24th overall selection, the Montreal Alouettes select Ottawa defensive back Chris Sigano. With Ty Cranston gone to Ottawa in free agency, the length and range of this Gigi's defender will play well after advancing from the Eastern Regional in, where else? Montreal, where the Alouettes were able to keep an extremely close eye on the long, lanky defensive back from the Gigi's. At 25th overall, Ottawa defensive lineman Frednick Eviard, a converted receiver who doesn't particularly fit the mold for any traditional Canadian roster spot goes to the Calgary Stampeders. Eviard is an intriguing athlete with a unique burst to his game. Defensive end, could he be converted to a different position with a skilled set that matches up maybe somewhere else on the roster that the Stampeders need? Either way, they'll find a smart way to use him and get him on the field in the coming years. With the 26th overall selection, the Toronto Argonauts select St. Mary's defensive back Adrian Green, an Ontario regional combine favorite. Green's ball skills and coverage hips are as good as anyone in the draft. At 26th overall, Toronto would be getting a steal, but there is a chance that Edmonton might fall in love as Chris Jones and G. Roy Simon were big fans of the SMU product at the regional combine circuit. With the 27th overall pick, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders select Regina linebacker Ryder Varga. Yes, his name is Ryder. Yes, he plays for the Rams. And yes, he grew up in Regina. That's all very romantic. But he also happens to be one hell of a player. Despite heading back to school as a three-time academic All-Canadian, I believe the Riders find a roster spot sooner rather than later for the newest Ryder. 
With the 28th overall pick, the Hamilton Tiger Cats select Western offensive lineman Zach Fry, who had just nine reps on the bench press at the Combine. Slipping into the late 20s might be an exaggeration, but a Ticats team with solidified national depth could afford to take him behind the likes of Jesse Gibbon, Coulter Woodmancy, and Kay Okafor as they continue to build out their future protection scheme. With the 29th overall selection, the BC Lions take Regina linebacker Tanner Smith, the underrated other half of the Rams' fourth-year linebacking duo. Smith adds a physical edge to Lions special teams coverage units very quickly. With the 30th overall selection, the Edmonton Elks select McMaster defensive lineman slash linebacker Enoch Penny Larea. Toby Antigua signed back with Chris Jones from Winnipeg in free agency. Meet his freaky athletic Canadian counterpart, who likely doesn't fit at defensive end or every down as a linebacker, but Enoch can make himself a really nice future on special teams. At 31st overall, the Ottawa Red Blacks select Charleston defensive back Jeremy Dominique. With twists and turns through Hawaii, North Dakota, and Division II, Dominique is undersized but has coverage skills that will tantalize closer to the top of the draft. 32nd overall, the BC Lions continue to shore up their offensive line in the form of Nicholas Gay, depth in the form of a solid RSEQ battle-tested interior lineman. Laval at 32, Laval at 33. This time it's the Montreal Alouettes going with Laval receiver Vincent Forbes Montbleau. With Gavin Cobb and Riley Borsma off the board likely, the next best available undersized testing monster receiver of 2022 becomes Forbes Montbleau. Montreal smiles with the deep pick in the third round. At 34th overall, the Calgary Stampeders select McMaster receiver Chase Arsenault. Charlie Power is a veteran, and a couple converted defenders are listed on the Stampeders' website as fullbacks. But Arsenault offers a varied skill set nobody on the roster does with size to compete sooner rather than later. At 35th overall, the Toronto Argonauts take Guelph receiver Keandre Smith from the National Combine. He is an elite return man and a developing receiver. Smith might not land in Toronto if they draft Samuel Emelis, as suggested earlier, but the Guelph Argos' ties are relevant in recent years, and he offers a prospect at 35th overall that could learn a lot from the professionalism of Curly Gittins Jr. in double blue. At 36, Saskatchewan Rough Riders take Regina receiver Riley Borsma, undersized, shifty, and relentless. He's not Rob Bagg or Weston Dressler, but he'd be a quick fan favorite as a local with unique athleticism if he ever got a chance to hit the field. At 37th overall, the Hamilton Tiger Cats add some depth in their defensive backfield by adding defensive back Shaquille St. Lot from the Maine Black Bears, coming off of an ACL injury, but lots to add moving forward in his career. And of course, you know the Tiger Cats are always looking for that depth at free safety. Mike Daly, who you can hear right here on CFP on Saturdays with his podcast, The Daily News, is a free agent. Tunde Adelike is in there in the starting role. Stavros Katsantonis was drafted recently out of UBC. You got to think that they'll take a DB or two, and specifically a body type that looks like can play free safety. And with the final selection here on the CFP A Block Mock Draft, 38th overall, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers select Guelph linebacker 
Jared Beeksma. Tall, physical, and a rep-to-rep mentality that screams effort. How would fellow Guelph alumni Mike O'Shea not like Beeksma as a depth pick who could earn his stripes with that trademark perception and persistence on special teams? That is going to do it for the A Block today. Sorry if you were annoyed by the uh, the old draft sound. I love that draft sound. I can listen to that draft sound all April, all May as we get you set for the 2022 CFL season. If you want to read the full mock draft in its entirety, I've made picks all the way from 39 that you haven't heard yet through 74th overall. You can go to CFL.ca. It's posted up there for you now. This, of course, was brought to you by our good friends over at Fox 40. Check out their gear and products. Make your combine run smoothly this spring. Shop whistles, stopwatches, ball pumps, and more. Fox40shop.com. Use the code CFP15 at checkout and get 15% off of your order. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. Hope you have yourself a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week on the A Block.